SAFM Sports Wrap. This is SAFM Sports Wrap. I'm Brad Brown. Thank you very much to the MoneyWeb team. They're back again tomorrow at 6. Coming up on this evening's show, we'll take a look at the SA Open that's taking place at Glen Dow in Ukuruleni on the east rand of Johannesburg. We'll also uh, dig deep into what happens at the Dakar Rally today. We'll touch base with Vrile Mbule, who is in Gabon with Bafana Bafana, and we'll hear from Dean Furman. Andre Nell joins us to chat about the upcoming T20 series against the West Indies. And speaking of that series, we'll also look ahead to Sunday's edition of that T20 that's taking place at the Bidvest Wanderers. It's all going pink. That's coming up on this evening's show. Let's take a look at some of the stories coming through on the wires this evening. And we start with golf. JB Kruger and Andy Sullivan share the lead at the SA Open at Glendale. They're on six under. Ernie Elson, Richard Sterney, as well as the Dane Lasser Jensen are tied for third one off the pace. And as mentioned, we'll chat to Lali Stunder in just a moment. With nine days to go until the 2015 African Cup of Nations kickoff, Bafana Bafana have arrived safely in Gabon where they're setting up for a pre-tournament camp ahead of the showpiece that starts in Equatorial Guinea next week. Influential uh, English-based Midfielder Dean Furman has been training with the squad. He has arrived too and is expecting tough conditions. We'll hear from him late in the show this evening. On to the Dakar, South Africa's Janil de Villiers and his German co-driver Dirk von Zitzewitz retained their second place despite finishing third in the fourth stage today. They trail race leaders Nasser al Atia of Qatar and his French co-driver Matthew Baumel by just over eight minutes. Leading South African biker Rian Fanikar had his best finish today in 15th. However, he dropped one spot to 16th overall. South African quad rider Willem Simon moved into the top 20, finishing the stage in 22nd and climbing two spots to 19th overall. In cricket news, India reached stumps on day three of the fourth and final test against Australia in Sydney on 342 for five, thanks to a century from Lokesh Rahul and an unbeaten 140 from captain Virat Kohli. They still trail the host, though. Australia declared on 572 for the loss of seven. Australia have an unassailable 2-0 series lead in the four-match series. Domestically in the Sunfoil series, uh, two games underway. Stumps in both the lines won the toss earlier. They chose to field against the Cobras, uh, Cobras in Port of Sturm at Stumps. The Cobras reached 297, uh, 279 rather, for the loss of seven. While the Warriors are playing the Dolphins in East London, the Dolphins won the toss there. They too elected to bowl and the Warriors reached 273 for the loss of three at Stumps. In rugby news, Puma's coach Jimmy Stonehouse assigned a two-year contract with Japanese top league club Toshiba Brave Lupus. Stonehouse has previously declined two offers from abroad in the hope of landing a job with a South African franchise. He's taken the plunge and will head east in April. On to netball, the Proteas defender Pumza Maweni has joined UK netball Super League team Lothborough Lightning for the 2015 season. Maweni is the latest South African to sign for the Leicestershire side. That after Proteas captain Mareka Holthausen was contracted by the same team in December. In exciting athletics news, the current form, current and former world record holders in the men's marathon will go head-to-head for the first time ever in the London Marathon in April. It was announced today that the record holder, Dennis Kometo, will come up against defending champion and fellow Kenyan Wilson Kipsang on the 26th of April. The two training partners have never raced each other over the marathon distance. Meanwhile, Kenya's Athletics Federation will hold a hearing into three-time Boston Marathon winner and two-time Chicago Marathon champion Richard Jeptu's doping case next Thursday. 
Thursday. The marathon runner, who failed the doping test in September, has been ordered to attend along with her two coaches as well as her agent. In cycling news, Sir Bradley Wiggins has launched his own cycling team as he prepares for the 2016 Olympic Games in Rio. The former Tour de France winner confirmed that the team will be named Wiggins and sponsored by his current outfit, Sky. The team will also be supported by the British Cycling Federation. The 34-year-old is aiming for an eighth career medal at the 2016 Rio Games to become the most decorated British Olympian ever. And finally, in tennis, Maria Sharapova advanced to the semis of the Brisbane uh, International with a six. 6-1, 6-3 win over Carla Suarez-Navarro. Second-seeded Anna Ivanovic struggled early in her 4-6-6-4-6-3 win over Kaya Kanepi of Estonia, losing the first five games before settling into the match. Ivanovic's semi-final match will be against uh, Vavara Lepchenko of the United States. Third-seeded Milos Raonic advanced 6-3-6-4 at the expense of Mikhail Kukushkin to set up a quarter-final match against Sam Groth of Australia, who beat Lukas Kubot of Poland 6-4-6-3. 7 and 7-6. Seven, and in the Hopman Cup, Eugenie Burchard uh, beat Flavia Panetta. Vasek Pospisil beat Fabio Fanini to secure the victory for Canada uh, against Italy. Although they did lose the mixed doubles, they went on to win that one 2-1. Coming up next, we chat the SA Open with Lali Stunder. SAFM Sports Wrap. It is a Thursday evening and a big weekend of sport action coming your way. There's lots of cricket to look forward to. The T20 series gets underway tomorrow at Newlands in Cape Town. The second of those three T20 internationals take place at the Wanderers on Sunday. And uh, we'll be chatting a little bit later on about that one in particular uh, at the Wanderers uh, to find out a little bit about the charity aspect behind it. But the SA Open is underway. The first round at Glendower took place today. It was. Uh, weather interrupted. There was a big lightning storm, uh, which is uh, quite usual for this time of the year on the high felt. Lali Standard joins us now. Lali, it was a, a great early start from Ernie Els. He shot a 67, but at the moment he's sitting in second. Yes, and I have to. I'm not supposed to repeat this, but uh, we interviewed JD Kruger, and uh, as he was walking out, he said, is it nice to be ahead of Ernie? And he goes, yes, it's very nice to lead Ernie Els. Of course, it's Ernie Els, you know, and he's tall and I'm small. <laughs> but uh, but he had a couple of choice words to say about Ernie, uh, complimenting Ernie on coming back to support this tournament and saying that uh, his presence in the field certainly elevates the prestige and the status of the South African Open, which, as you know, is the world's second oldest Open. And, um, and it's fantastic to see Ernie there, right there in contention. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is a big thing, and, and Ernie grew up on, on the courses of the East Rand. He's, he's originally from Germiston, if I remember correctly, and he's played tons of golf at Glendale. He loves playing there. Uh, I heard you earlier on when I was chatting to you on PM Live this afternoon, you mentioned J.B. Kruger's nickname. What is his nickname, and where does that come from? <laughs> when I worked uh, on the Sunshine Tour many years ago, when, when J.B. was a, a young rookie in his first year, he shot an incredible 63 in a qualifier, and uh, I used the headline Bloemfontein Spitfire, and that's just stuck with him. <laughs> and uh, and I, I still refer to him that way, or Bloemfontein Pocket Rockets or something. Oh, he's a little guy. He's really a little petite little thing. But how can he hit the ball long and, uh, and extremely straight? And uh, funny enough, today he wasn't that straight off the, uh, off, the, off the tees. In fact, in the back nine, he only uh, hit the fairway twice. Um, and he was telling us just exactly how tough the rough is out there. But his, uh, but his iron play was spectacular. And, you know, watching him uh, play the back nine, 
uh, when he started coming to grips with the greens and reading the greens. He just couldn't miss a, a putt. I mean, the holes were as big as buckets for this guy. Lali, I'm, I'm quite surprised. I mean, the scoring has been fairly low today. I mean, uh, JB Kruger and Andy Sullivan on six under. There's there's three players on five under. There's a whole host on four under. So uh, a lot mm. of scores under par today. You you were mentioning that that if you if you miss the fairway, the, the rough's quite punishing. There's been a lot of rain around Johannesburg o- over December. Uh, I know the Glendower course quite well. If you miss the fairways, you can get into some deep trouble there. Um, I've got to tell you, and I'm quoting. Ernie Els, Charles Watzel, J.B. Kruger, and Richard Sterney, who just left the press center. This is the most brutal rough these guys have seen in their careers. Um, they, Over the last four weeks, they've been to- cutting the tops, and uh, as you say, you know the course. So the, the rough here, the Kukuyu, is normally quite thick, but they've been cutting only the tops of the Kukuyu, which means the, the blades have spread, and it's really become very wiry, and it, it's almost uh, like super glue. And uh, if, your, if your ball goes in there, uh, like one of the amateurs said to me this morning, if your ball is in there, it's a lost ball. You just walk away. And um, uh, Jody Kruger was telling us at the, uh, at, 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 uh, I think it was the 16th, he hit it in the rough and he could only hack it out with a 9-9. He could only hack it out about 70 meters. Um, that's how tough the rough is. And on 18, he says he got very lucky with a blessed ball because when he got to his ball, uh, which was about a yard off the rough, uh, off the fairway, it was sitting up on the grass, which is really not something that happens uh, quite that often. But Andy Sullivan just, I think, summed it up best. Um, the guys who are in contention here right now, looking at the five unders, the six unders, and the four unders, are the guys who hit it very straight off the tee. Um, guys that, that are really accurate off the tee box and uh, can hit an accurate shot into the green. What is helping, though, is the fact that the greens are quite receptive because of all the rain that they've had. If these greens were rock hard, I tell you what, we wouldn't see anybody break far. Yeah, absolutely. Lali, then just to wrap things up, you, you, there's a lot of South Africans on the leaderboard. J.B. Kruger's obviously leading. Ernie Els is there. Richard Sterney's up there. Sean Swartzel, some big South African names. But it is a, a co-sanctioned European tour event as well. You mentioned Andy Sullivan. Uh, there's a, a whole European contingent out here this weekend and, and, and a very good field. I've got to tell you, we've got some really top contenders. I mean, Nicholas Fust is, is, is in contention there at three under. He's an 11-time European Tour winner. David Drysdale is a winner on the European Tour. And uh, this youngster, Jordi Garcia Pinto from Spain, he had, uh, he had three birdies on the front nine and four on the back nine and then fell victim to the rough over the last three holes. But this is a youngster who played his way onto the European Tour was a seventh place finish on the Challenge Tour last year. And uh, and also, Lasse Jensen, let's not forget, this Dane is here to try and make it three in a row for Scandinavia. Um, he's there at five under. And Andy Sullivan, he's been coming out to South Africa for quite a number of years. Lovely chap, really lovely chap. And uh, had a fantastic eagle at the 15th, uh, par 5 15th, to put himself into contention. Of course, you know, we're patriotic, we're South African, and anybody who is a South African will always cheer for South Africans. But uh, an international winner here would, would, would also elevate the status of the tournament. I mean, just look what Hendrik Stenson's victory here did. Um, and, uh, you know, it, I just looked a little further down the leaderboard. Ryder Cup hero Eduardo Malinari, Frenchman ja- Raphael Jacqueline. I mean, there's a, there's a Tom Perry's even there. Mm. There's a, a host of guys that have challenged and won on the European Tour. But uh, I think it's just going to get more interesting. If, if the course holds as it is, and these guys can shoot low scores, we are going to have the most interesting weekend ever.
Without a doubt. Lali Stunner, thank you very much for that update from the South African Open. We'll have more for you tomorrow here on SAFM. SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, it was a day of big moves at the Dakar as well as the entire race relocated to Chile by traversing the spectacular Andes mountain range before the start of the stage. But for Toyota Imperial South Africa Dakar team, it was fleet-footed Leroy Polter and Robbie Howie who made the most of the moves when the pair improved from 21st overall in stage after stage 3 to 14th after arriving in the town of Capapio. Uh, stage 4 saw the teams complete a monster laze on a 490, uh, 594 kilometers from the Argentine town of Chilochito across the Chilean border and down for more than 4,600 meters above sea level to the mining town of Copiapo. While the town itself may be more famous for the miners who were epically rescued there in 2010 to motorsport fans uh, the world over, it is synonymous with massive dunes that see crews descend from the Andes and almost straight into the bivouac. For Polter and Howie, it was a day of recovery after they lost nearly an hour on stage three. Still the pair battled on and called upon the so-called Joker, which allows them to improve their style time once during the event. As such, they pulled away 19th on the road despite recording only the 40th fastest time on stage 3. This allowed them to work their way through the field, reclaiming nine positions in the process. So today we started 19th and, um, you know, I took it a bit more steadier today. We just worked our way through the field and uh, I mean, the day just really went well. I, I think at one stage, uh, from what I hear, we were up to second. And then we uh, got to the dunes right near the end and we, we just got stuck on one of them. So we, we lost a bit of time there. Um, I'm not sure where we have ended, but it, it was a good day. I think if we're in the top 10, it'll be great. Meanwhile, Janil de Villiers uh, and German navigator Dirk von Zitzewitz posted another great stage despite having the most of the open routes after the demise of mini driver Orlando Terranova. The Argentine driver who won stage three of the events uh, lost a massive amount of time after contact with a rock took out the rear suspension of their vehicle. Janil de Villiers was obviously happy with their performance. Yes, today was uh, it was actually a long day. It was a tough day and uh, 600k road section is not easy, especially uh, crossing at altitude at 4,700 meters. Um, you know, and then the stage, which was not so easy, uh, beginning quite rocky. Um, we met Terranova, which hit a rock and uh, took his wheel off. And then, uh, you know, we, we decided to just be conservative because there were so many traps out there. You could easily make a mistake and uh, damage the suspension. Uh, we tried to push a little bit in the dune section. Um, but all in all, quite happy with uh, how the day went. We, we lost about two minutes and 20 seconds to NASA. Uh, which is actually less than I thought, so um, uh, quite happy. We've got to keep on doing this job for the next uh, 10 days. We've only done four so, so far, so uh, we need to stay focused. Well, being second at the moment is, uh, is probably better than being uh, lower down, but um, I'm not concentrating on that too much because it's only we've only done four days. We've got to do 10 more, so um, I'm trying to concentrate on doing a good day every day. Um, and, you know, the rest will take care of itself. So uh, we're not trying to think about that. We're trying to focus and trying to stay close to NASA, uh, stay in touch, um, because you never know what can happen. But uh, it's important that we stay clean and we do a good job. For Toyota team principal Glenn Hall, it's been a fantastic start to the Dakar for the team. Day four and we're in Copiapo and of course Copiapo is quite special to South Africa. Just a kilometre down was where we rescued those uh, miners four years ago. So uh, certainly everybody's going to know where we are in the world. But a really good day for us and a good Dakar so far. 
I think we've got, if I'm not mistaken, Toyota's second, third and fourth, which is great news. Janil second, uh, Yazid in one of our cars from South Africa third, and Tim Brinker uh, in one of uh, our cars that Anthony was using. So I think uh, to win the championship, so it was a really great day. Leroy had a great day. He started 19th on the road, so he had a little bit of a dust cap, and uh, he climbed his way up, overtook, I don't know how many cars, quite a few, and uh, he finished eighth in the end. He's just told me now he had a little bit of a problem in the dunes there. I think they got stuck twice by being a bit cautious, but that was the, uh, that was the message today. Modus operandi was bring it home, bring it safe, and uh, let's get that support in for Janil because we're looking pretty good. SAFM Sports Wrap. It's exactly nine days to the AFCON tournament, and Wafana are intensifying their preparations for what is perceived to be a group of death. In the opening game, they will face Africa's number one ranked side, Algeria, and two other teams in the top five, Ghana and Senegal, respectively. As part of preparing for that grueling group, Bafana faced the rejuvenated Cameroon in an international-friendly match on Saturday. Femen believes that this is an ideal preparatory match for the tournament. Yeah, it's great to, to go and play a couple of friendlies before we start the tournament. It will allow the coach to try some uh, tactical stuff and, and to try different players and then also give the players an opportunity to go and impress the coach. So there's a lot riding on these games. Uh, they might be uh, called friendlies, but they're very important for us and we can really prepare for the tournament by doing well in these games. What do you know about Cameroon? Yeah, I know they're a very good team. I know they're, they're strong. I know they're, they're always one of the top teams in Africa and they'll pose a difficult threat and I'm sure they'll be confident going forward in the tournament. So uh, it's a great test for us and it's definitely a good way to prepare. Any particular player uh, from their side? Um, I haven't had a look at their 23. I know Song's just retired um, and he's a, he's a key player for them, obviously. But um, I know they've got a, a squad with a lot of talent and uh, they'll be looking to do very well in this tournament. Femen, who plays for Doncaster Rovers, only started training with the team this week as he was still busy with his English side, doing duty in the FA Cup over the weekend. He missed the 1-0 win over Zambia last Sunday and says the spirit is very high in this camp. It's very good. Um, the, the, team's, the team's gelling well together. There's a great spirit in the camp and uh, we're all very excited for the start of the tournament. But no, we've got a good uh, week to ten, uh, to two weeks to, to prepare now and it's, it's very focused and uh, we're excited. Gabon are neighbours to Equatorial Guinea, and both countries are on the west coast of the continent, giving Bafana's reason of arriving early and settling in this area more important. Femen believes that acclimatising to conditions like the humid weather here will have a telling impact on the Afcon performances. Yeah, it's important that we're here now. Uh, we've settled in our hotel, uh, and we're getting used to the conditions, the surroundings, and uh, the, the, the quicker we can acclimatise, the better and the more prepared we'll be for the tournament. Yeah, it's very humid. Uh, that's something you, you recognise straight away when you step off the plane, but it's something that we can't use an ex- as an excuse. We've got time now to acclimatise to it, and by the time the first game comes around, we'll be, we'll be ready. Are you reminded of uh, the conditions in Sudan, where even though it was not, they were not favourable to us, but uh, we turned them against the hosts? Yeah, we've got to use that to our advantage. Um, it's, it's great to have gone and experienced these difficult conditions uh, in our qualification campaign. And then what's even better is that we, we passed them with, uh, with flying colours and then got the victories away from home. So that's something that we can uh, take a lot of confidence from and it will help us going forward in this tournament. This will also be Femen's second AFCON tournament after they bowed out in the last eight on home soil two years ago. The man who's one of the candidates to Captain Bafana in this tournament is hoping that this year they can go a step further.
Quite different, yeah. <laughs> um, I've got some very good memories from, from the first AFCON. Obviously, playing on home soil was, was incredible in front of the big crowds. Um, but also, I've got some, some not-so-good memories of the penalty shootout being the main one. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it shows, though, we were, we were a penalty shootout away from the semi-finals, and it shows that we, we've, we're more than capable of, of matching the top teams in Africa and uh, something that we can take a lot of belief from. But uh, it's a new squad, it's a new team, and uh, we have to make sure that, that we are, uh, we're ready for, the, for this tournament. It will pose different threats and uh, we're going to have to uh, really up our game to the maximum. Yesterday during the send-off, there's a lot of talk around coming back home after the final with the second Afghan title in Tau for Bafana. And Femen says the response of the boys is equally positive. Yeah, the response of the players, footballers are winners. We, there's no point in us playing football if we, if we don't want to win. So, of course, we, we want to win the tournament. We want to go as far as we can, and we, and we want to do the best that we possibly can. So that's our focus, that's our aims, and uh, hopefully we can achieve them. Bafana's game against the indomitable Lions of Cameroon will take place at the Stade de la Mitia here in Libreville on Saturday at 8 p.m., 9 p.m. SA time. The second friendly against Gabon for next week is yet to be confirmed. Villemboli. SAPC Sport, Libreville, Gabon. That was uh, our journalist, Valil Mbulu, who is travelling with the squads. And we'll chat to Mo Ali tomorrow night here on SAFM Sports Wrap. We'll preview this weekend's friendly. SAFM Sports Wrap. Lots of cricket, as I mentioned at the top of the show, coming up this weekend, the start of the T20 series against the West Indies. And Andre Anel, former pro tier fast bowler, joins us now. Andre, uh, a pretty good win in the Test series, uh, but the T20 is going to be a totally different kettle of fish, a different South African squad, and also a very different West Indian squad. Some of their big names back. Uh, evening, Brad. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting. I, I don't think the West Indies are really at a good test size at the moment. Um, you mentioned some big players, but it's good to hear all the big players are back. And, um, yeah, they're always very unpredictable in the limited hours and at um, the 20 hours competition. So, yeah, it'll be quite a good test for the Africans before we go to the World Cup. Yeah, I mentioned those big names. Andre, T20 cricket, all you need is, is one person to really come off with, with both the bats or the ball. And, and I look at who the West Indies have brought back into the squad. Darren Sammy's back, Chris Gale, Andre Russell, Kieran Pollard, Dwayne Bravo. Any one of those guys come off and we're in trouble. Yeah, some proper big names and, and very big match players. Um, especially in 2020, if uh, one player comes off, he can change the game in a moment. And that's why Chris Cole is probably the most wanted player around the world. Uh, he can change games in a moment. And under Russell, Superman, he's um, proven in the, our domestic season that he's, he's quite a um, dangerous player. So, yeah, they can change games in a moment. Uh, in a second in 2020 grid. You mentioned that they played here, some of them played here in, in our domestic uh, T20 series, the Ram Slam, not so long ago. Will, will that give the West Indies a bit of advantage with, with some of the big names knowing and, and understanding the local conditions a bit better? Yeah, I think it would, but also they've been out here for long during the test series and also in the guys who's left over playing the 2020 and won the competition. Uh, they'll be adapted to the conditions now. So, um, in general, they'll be ready for, for action, but... Um, like I said, the, the West Indies are so unpredictable and I like the clips are cleared, uh, and I think they'll be quite dangerous in the 2020 and the one-day competition um, coming up. Andre, as, as far as what's coming up for the Pro Tiers now, this is our, our final run into the World Cup. Essentially, it's a, it's a T20 series, three matches, then we head into the one-dayers, and then, then it's basically off to, to Australia and New Zealand. Do you, do you think, I mean, there's some youngsters in that squad that are playing some of the big names being rested. Do you think that's a wise decision so close to the World Cup? Um, I think it's uh, in 23 degree it's quite a good time to rest in but especially when the one day series comes up uh, I think all the big players will be back and the World Cup squad will be playing so um, I think it's quite a good thing to get them rest and fresh and 
mentally fresh because in the World Cup, those senior players are going to play a massive role. They're going to be standing up every game and they need to stand up every game uh, and be backed up by the younger players. So I think it's quite a, a nice uh, thing to do to rest up senior players and hopefully by the one-day series start, they'll be fresh and ready to go to the one-day series in the World Cup. Well, let's touch on that World Cup squad quickly. If, if you don't mind, it was announced yesterday. I don't think any, any big surprises uh, in, in the final 15. Yeah, it's a good squad. It's a well-balanced side. But um, I think Ryan McLaren could be very unfortunate. Um, Biadin, I think, is very lucky to be there. And Robin Peterson also is uh, quite unfortunate to be there, not to be there. He, he, he toured a sale when they took by there recently, and they did well, him and McLaren. So, um, yeah, I think they could feel sad. But unfortunately, that's just the way the cricket crumbles. There's only space for 15 players, and sometimes there's going to be players disappointed they're not going. And um, hopefully those guys... Uh, determined enough and passionate enough to be hungry to get uh, when they get a chance again to play well. Andre Nell, always a pleasure to catch up. Look forward to chatting again soon here on SAFM Sports Wrap. Thanks for your time. Coming up, uh, that T20 series. The first one gets underway at Newlands tomorrow night in Cape Town at 6 Sunday at the Bidvest Wanderers at 3 o'clock. And then on the 14th, the third and final at the Sahara Stadium Kingsmead, 6 p.m. as well. That's the third and final of those T20 internationals. That's followed by a five-match one-day international series as well. So, uh, that's what's coming up. And speaking of the Bidvest Wanderers, this coming Sunday, uh, there's a really nice angle. Once again, Bidvest Wanderers going to be turning pink. And we joined on SAFM Sports Wrap uh, this evening by CEO for Counting Cricket, Greg Fredericks. Greg, welcome on to the show. Uh, exciting times. Nice to have T20 Cricket back in, in Joburg once again. But uh, we're in for a big weekend, and, and particularly on Sunday. Good evening to you. Good evening to the listeners. Yes, we're very excited about this weekend. And, of course, next weekend... This weekend we're having the T20. It's not the pink day this weekend. It's next Sunday when we play the Wonder International. But I think what excites me mostly is that I think the public of Johannesburg and Gauteng knows the strength of the West Indies and the current defending champions in the T20. And our ticket sales have gone excellently. We've got less than five tickets, 5,000 tickets left for Sunday. So I think it's going to be a fantastic day. It's going to be an entertaining day. And I think that uh, the crowd and the people of Johannesburg is really going to enjoy the experience. Greg, the, the ball ring is a, is a magnificent place to watch cricket. It's even better when it is full and the proteas just seem to fire. I mean, I think of, of uh, probably the most iconic one-day international that was ever played, that famous 4-3-8 game that took place there in front of a full house. Uh, we're hoping that it's going to be the same this coming Sunday. Yes, we hope that like, maybe we could have another, another world-class and first <laughs> uh, uh, in terms of the best T20 game in the world also, but let's see how it goes. I mean, uh, if you look at our team, we've got a good team that we feel in, West Indies, uh, and, and as you know, that some of them played in our Ram Slam, and they were quite exciting players. They're back here on Sunday, and I think it's going to be a fantastic day for us, all of us. Well, Greg, let's get it sold out. How can people get their hands on tickets for this coming Sunday? There's not, not many left, so if you want to get yeah. down to the Wanderers, make sure you, you rush. What do people need to do? Yeah, no, uh, our ticket office will be open all day till tomorrow until 5 on, sun, on Saturday morning. We open until, from 8 until 12. And they can also buy online at Ticket Pros. Uh, so uh, uh, tickets, uh, we're hoping by the end of tomorrow, we'll say uh, with our, si- our full signs will go up. But uh, we really encourage people to come out and buy and uh, so that we can have a smooth day on Sunday afternoon.
I think it's going to be a, a massive, massive weekend. Uh, Greg Frederick, CEO of Counting Cricket, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure we'll chat next week. Apologies, I was under the impression that it was uh, this weekend that the pink one's happening. But let, let's touch on that actually quickly. Uh, obviously, the, the proceeds and, and a lot of funds get raised out of that match. Uh, the, it's the one-day international that's taking place at, at the Wanderers. Uh, still tickets available for that one as well? Yes, we, we, we're close to 14,000 tickets uh, sold for that one. Of course, the important thing is us. we're quite proud to be involved with Momentum uh, and, and the Breast Cancer Foundation in terms of making sure that we also make our contribution through sport uh, towards a, a very worthy cause. So 13,000, uh, close to 14,000 tickets sold, and we are hoping that next week also the house food signs will go up. Absolutely. Greg Frederick, CEO of Carlton Cricket, thank you so much for your time this evening on SAFM Sports Wrap. Much appreciated. I'm so looking forward to that T20 International Series against the West Indies. Uh, looking forward even more to uh, the World Cup that is coming up as well. And that's about it for SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. Before we go, though, how's this for a story? Uh, it's some interesting matchups uh, around the world, mostly happening in sort of New Zealand, Australia, and in the east ahead uh, of the upcoming uh, opening Grand Slam of the year. And Slovenian qualifier Algez Bedene, who I've never heard of, has knocked out second-seeded Feliciano Lopez, 6-4, 6-4, in the second round of the Chennai Open. So uh, some of the big names not uh, faring too well. If I think earlier this week, Rafael Nadal getting beaten. Uh, it's going to make for a very interesting Australian Open as we uh, get the year's tennis Grand Slams underway in just a couple of weeks' time in Melbourne. Coming up next, it is the talk shop here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Brad Brown. Thank you very much to the entire team in studio today. Don't forget, if you'd like to catch the show again, you can just head to iono.fm. You can catch the podcast. Uh, The entire show, all the interviews will be rebroadcast on iono.fm. So until tomorrow, have yourself a great evening. Catch more sport on AM Live tomorrow morning. From myself, Brad Brown, it's 7 o'clock, and here's your news.